and now she has to live out right. consequences yeah. as well. And now she's not happy uh, on how it's coming out. So all this. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, uh, maturity. Okay, so um, let's get started. So we're going to open up in prayer, and we've got a couple of announcements. And yeah, I'm going to start. Just pray, you can make the announcements. Father, we thank you for this time, and Lord, um, Father, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your spirit. Uh, Father, how wonderful, how glorious, how marvelous. Uh, words just are really inadequate to just really talk about your glory, your majesty, your um, love, your grace. But Lord, today we are grateful. We are a grateful people, Lord, because when we look around, Father, and we see the condition of the world, and Lord, when we look at just the immense love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, time and eternal, that had a plan for us, even in the mess, even in the mess that we created, even in the mess that we're living in, still shows us the goodness of love, the goodness of mercy, the goodness of grace. We thank you for you are the authors of relationship. We ask that you would be here now. We ask that you would work in every heart. Lord, we submit our hearts to you. Father, we bring our nothing to the table because we see that in you there is everything. So we thank you for that. Be with us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Announcements? Announcements. Announcements. <laughs> Cleansing stream. You have what? This weekend and next weekend? Actually, this weekend. Ah. This is, this is it. This is the last week weekend of playing. Okay. Uh, Hearing we, can, we can do it for, you know, maybe another week we might have to put that. Today is that. So upstairs in the kiosk, uh, in the lobby area, they have a kiosk for signups right by the small groups. And we just strongly encourage um, Cleansing Stream is uh, healing, it's cleansing, it's discipleship. It's deliverance. It's a whole bunch of components wrapped into one, because when Jesus um, when Jesus came, he came for our salvation, and the word that we take to mean salvation in the English sense, we apply literally only one meaning to it, like being saved out of a burning building, but it has all those components of healing, of cleansing, of wholeness, of restoration, of deliverance 
all those components are in that word, in that Greek word. Um, and if you want to know more about that and you want to, to develop and cultivate a deeper, intimate relationship with the God of safety that we're talking about in this class, we cannot recommend it too much. So um, sign up. It's a 13-week program. Um, there are classes that are held on Tuesdays. There's daycare that's available, child care rather, not daycare, sorry. Child care that's available if you have little ones or you're responsible for little ones during the time that you are in that class. And there's a one day event that you actually go away um, and you get ministry all day long and then you return home. So you don't even spend the night. Um, but it is well worth um, you're spending the money to buy the materials and to go to the one day event. Um, Joe and I have not been the same um, since we did it almost nine years ago. Um, we are more right than we used to be. I mean, right in the head. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> We're definitely safer than we used to be. So that's just. was that uh, thank you Ron for sending me the uh, software program that I was able to switch the WAV files over to um, mp3 files so the first two um, podcasts are actually on the website so you're able to now um, you're able now to get those uh, a couple of things. First of all, last couple of weeks we've been passing out these uh, tree rings. You guys still have those? Any of you that weren't here and don't have them, do you need some? If you do, yeah, I think only a few. And then also we passed out last week the list of character traits. 174 of them. Uh, if you didn't get those, Leona will pass those two out to you. And the reason we keep passing these out is this is going to be through the whole series, we're going to be referring back to these. So as long as you're in the class and in the series, please bring those two items um, with you. So last week, we left off finishing up with the last of the six components. And I don't know what I did with my paperwork, but anyway, the last of the six components is security. Okay. No, I haven't. Um, yeah, they're both there on the site, both of them on the podcast. And so security, um, 
the last component is really what we enter into when we enter into that relationship with God where we, again, are based on knowledge and trust and faith and openness and vulnerability. We talked last week about the the danger zone, the scary part, where we start entering into openness and vulnerability. But in order to do that, again, trust is very key to being able to to enter into those areas. So um, real quickly, what we want to do, if you have that paperwork, if you turn to the back, we gave you a list of what unsafe people look like. And this is from the book Safe People from uh, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. You guys probably heard their program, New Life Live, on, uh, on KFAS. But I want to go through this quickly, and then um, a couple of things I want to talk to you about, and then there's a word that I need to give you guys that I think is appropriate for where we are in this series. If you look at the back, it says, unsafe people think that they have it all together instead of admitting their weaknesses. Unsafe people are religious instead of spiritual. Unsafe people are defensive instead uh, instead of open to feedback. Unsafe people are self-righteous instead of humble. Unsafe people only apologize instead of changing their behavior. Unsafe people avoid working on their problems instead of dealing with them. Unsafe people demand trust instead of earning it. Unsafe people believe that they are perfect instead of admitting their faults. Unsafe people lie instead of telling the truth. Unsafe people are stagnant instead of growing. Unsafe people avoid closeness instead of connecting. Unsafe people are only concerned with I instead of we. Unsafe people resist freedom instead of encouraging it. Unsafe people flatter us instead of confronting us. Unsafe people stay in the parent-child roles instead of relating as equals. Yeah, at the bottom of the page. Unsafe people are unstable over time instead of being consistent. Unsafe people are a negative influence on us rather than a positive one. Unsafe people gossip instead of keeping secrets. So as I was reading this, I have to admit that there are some places where I'm not totally safe. And I think that one of the things that the author's notes, I won't read going toward the bottom, is that safe people will at times stumble and be unsafe, right? For after all, none of us are perfect. The idea is not perfection. The idea is 
pertaining to or working on ourselves in those areas that we are unsafe to try to be unsafe, to try to be safe. And we know that that's a lifelong process. <laughs> Safety um, is about authenticity with honor. So being authentic with the other person that you're engaged with, yet still honoring them for the fact that they are made in God's image. They may not be acting like it, but you still need to give them that honor. We talked a little bit last week about how trust is earned, but the fact that a human being is already means that they have they carry honor, they carry value. They're worthy of respect because God gave them. So giving that respect to that other individual while being authentic with what one is feeling or what one is thinking. So there are things that can be shared that don't need to be shared harshly. Just need to be expressed in a different way. And for those of us who know God and who have Jesus Christ living in us, the Holy Spirit knows how to word, reword things without us falling into flattery. So we can still be direct and clear without pretending that that's not what we need to say. And safety also has with it the component of, um, of timing. Not everything needs to be said right away. So those are components of um, you know, what it means to <clears throat> kind of switch some of those unsafe characteristics and behaviors into more of what um, God would like to see us and have us do, like Joseph said, working on our own characteristics. And I like what um, David talked about last week in terms of when we are dealing with people that show unsafe characteristics, now they could be family members, we could be married to that person, um, you know, we don't need to run out and go, well, you know, you're unsafe in these three areas. You're not a safe person. Because right? um, that's not the end goal of what God is trying to do. Right? If we witness that, then that's for our own benefit, and it's also for the benefit of the Holy Spirit to be able to lead you and give you some discernment in terms of how you relate to that person. I love what Dave talked about um, last week, if you don't mind sharing what you said about your father. Um, that as Dave, as he was going through his own process, began to realize that there were places that his father was not safe, <clears throat> right? So he didn't go to dad and say, well, dad, I can't talk to you about such and such and such, but you're not safe in that area, right? Dad would have had some choice words at that point for Dave. That would not have gone well. That would not, yes, I, I concur. That would have well, okay. But by Dave modeling, and again, remember when we started this series, this whole series is about learning that God is safe, learning how to be safe with God, learning how to be safe people, and learning how to model 
safety to those in the world that don't know what safety looks like. So Dave talked about, and it's taken years, right, in their relationship, but his father has begun to notice that there's a difference in the way that Dave carries himself. And he's begun to inquire why his son is not the way that he used to be. It's the end goal for all of us. We are to model these traits, these character traits of safety, so that, number one, we give God the opportunity to work in people's lives in the, in the sphere of influence that we've been given. And two, the opportunity to be able to, at some point, share with those people why you are different, why you're not like everybody else. Okay. <coughs> So I want to move on now to session three. And this is called the author of relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we've talked about before, if we are going to, if we're going to try to get an understanding of what safety looks like, we have to go back to the author of relationship which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. Three persons in the Godhead that have been in eternal relationship. And we've said before that we were created for relationship. Okay. In their relationship, they model unity of mind, heart, and purpose in relationship with us. So let me say that again. In their relationship, they model unity of mind, heart, and purpose in their relationship to us. So I'm going to read this scripture here that I think that uh, gives us some insight to that. And this is uh, Ephesians 3, chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. And so it reads, for this reason, Paul, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets the mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs together with Israel uh, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the power, through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this ministry, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I need to read more. And according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So the scripture is really saying that the plans and purposes of God he had before the foundation of the world. Right? So if this plan was before the foundation of the world, there's nothing that has happened that has surprised God. Right? Nothing that you do or don't do surprises God. It's not like they're sitting up in heaven and going, whoa, did you just see what happened? It's like, Jesus, did you just say, Holy Spirit, you see what happened? Whoa, that was the curveball. We didn't see that one coming. We didn't know they were going to do that. That's a surprise. Nothing surprises God. What I love about this scripture is what he says. Paul basically summarizes it that in all this, and he says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And those two words are extremely powerful because what that says is, since God already knows everything that you're going to do, okay, no matter how bad you think you messed up, no matter how bad your sin you think it is, no matter how bad you say, you know what, God could never forgive me of this one because this one was like over the top. Paul says you can approach God in freedom and confidence. Freedom because God is not going to say, you know, I've seen you do some really bad things, but this one is over the top. This one we can't deal with. This one there's no recovery from. That's what real safety is. Real safety means on my very worst day, and you've heard me say it time and time again, you're going to hear me say it another 1,500 times before this is over. On your worst day, God is not going to turn your back, his back on you because he already knows. It's why Christ went to the cross. Because is there anything that you did or thought of or could do that God's going to look at, oh, cross isn't going to take care of that. Cross wasn't made for that one. Cross can't handle that one. No. But see, we're uh, many times we're our own worst enemies because he said you can approach with freedom and confidence. What's the confidence? The confidence is. God, I know what you did for me on that cross. I know what you said. And the confidence is, as bad as it is, as bad as I feel about myself, as bad as what I did just messed up, I have the confidence that you will not turn your back on me 
when I come to you. What would you say is the primary thing that keeps us from growing in Christ? Pride. <laughs> right, right there, right, right to the vein. There's another aspect or an aspect that's intertwined with pride that we don't see so readily. And I would say that that is not being true. Not even obedience. Not being true. Not being true out of fear. Out of fear? Out of fear. Dave and Ann did a whole series on oh. being naked. Living naked. Exactly. And in order to be able to be intimate with God, you can't have a mask on. That's right. That's exactly right. And sometimes it does come from pride. Because most of us, when we first come to faith, we're like, we can't stop talking to God. We're like, jabber, 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 Right? I mean, like everything. We tell him everything. We, we're exposed. We're like, you know, a fish that's been filleted. And then we start kind of growing in knowledge, or we get some teaching, or we kind of we're confronted with something in ourselves and then we start hiding again or covering up. And um, Hebrew 10.22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It goes on to speak to some things that I pointed out when I was talking about cleansing speech, which is you know having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Well, you, you've got more than one body. You've got more than this body. You've got your the body of your soul. That needs to be sprinkled. Our soul, our spirit is 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 what got saved, right? You guys have heard me say that before. I mean, our spirit is what's the new man. But the habits, the practices, the ways we thought or looked at people or judged people or judged ourselves that's part of our soul and that has to be renewed it has to learn what's in that spirit man so we ourselves are very unsafe until we recognize that the god that we serve is safe and wants us to come to him with a true heart just, you know what, God? I don't feel like doing it. You want me to, I'm a new Christian. You want me to tie that, that? Sometimes that's the first time we start like, okay, God, you know, we've been cool and everything, but, uh, you know, I can't do that. You know, I can't, I, I gotta pay my rent. I gotta pay my car. How am I gonna give you 10 I can't barely, match. and we start half sentences, right? I gave you a bunch of half sentences, didn't finish any one of them. <coughs> Because we can't figure it out. And what he's telling us to do is, it doesn't matter. That's okay. Say it. Complete your sentences. What are those fears? 
what is that thing underlying that you're trying to cover? Because I'm saying, you can tell it to me. I'm not going to be like, <gasps> like Joe was saying, and Ellen was totally backing him up, which I totally appreciate. He's not surprised. As a matter of fact, your healing is wrapped up in your confession. Because, let's face it, God already knows what you did, right? So your confession is not somehow or another letting God in on some secret. As we only said, what? You did what? I mean, when did you do that? I didn't know that. Must have been sleeping in the boat when you did that. It's our, again, coming to God in humility. And yes, brokenness. Right? Coming to God in brokenness. Because that's what he's looking for. You know, he's not looking for pride. He's not looking for arrogance. He's not looking for denial. Or, well, I wouldn't have done that if so-and-so didn't do that. You can't expect me to such and such when this person did that. They just got what was coming to them. Right? We come in humility and we come in a brokenness saying, you know what, Lord, I'm seeking to, to be what you created me to be. And I need you and I need your Holy Spirit to help me to walk through this. And that's why it says we can come in freedom and confidence. You don't have to be afraid. He is a safe God. I don't care who told you what. I don't care who told you this or that or God, you know, you have this sin and you turn, God's going to turn his back on you. You know, we talked about that in the beginning. If God, now I'm not saying that God likes sin. God hates sin. God doesn't want to put up with sin. But let's face it. The very nature of God's love is that, guess what? He's right down in this mess with us. This messed up, jacked up world, he's right in the midst of it. Because as much as he hates sin, he loves you exponentially more. So much more that he's willing to get in it with you. If we're going to be safe people, the key has got to be that we got we to gotta know that we know that we know that we have a safe God. Uh, the, the picture you guys you had mentioned just a moment ago, uh, uh, drawing near God. I can't remember where the scripture is. You draw near to him, you draw near to us. The picture that I like, and it's not really necessarily biblical because God is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, that kind of stuff. He's everywhere. But the picture I get is when I'm in my, when I'm in my place, not his, right, and I turn toward him and I take that first little tentative step towards him, he comes miles my way because he has the power. All I gotta do is make that decision and start making that motion and he makes up for all of my failings, all of my weakness, by coming right here and saying, "Mr. 
my favorite, um, one of my favorites, I, I have so many, I have to stop saying my favorite, uh, one of my favorite uh, cartoons as a kid growing up was Fantastic Four. And I always call myself Mrs. Stretch. <laughs> so my Which picture, not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, is him being stretched. No matter what it is you're you're finally letting come up out of you because he knew it was there. But he wants relationship. He wants it relationship bad, is, bad, is 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 me bad, coming bad. and saying, you know what, Renee, I love you. You're my girlfriend. And you often remember stuff, but I'm hurt because you forgot it was my birthday. At least I think you forgot that today was my birthday. That's relationship. It's not my birthday. My love language is not necessarily that you buy me with gifts, so but <clears throat> but that's relationship. My willingness to come to my friend and, and say something that's a little difficult for both of us, you know, and just put it out there without, you know, at least I, I think you forgot, not you forgot and you ain't no good and I thought you was my friend and you ain't no friend and every friend that I ever had. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, eight months in <laughs> I'll take that. That's 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 where the honor comes in, and he he wants us to expose our hearts with him and with those with whom we're in relationship. You know the most beautiful picture, and there's the Bible has a lot of beautiful pictures about the heart of God and the heart of God toward us. But I, the most beautiful one that touches me is the prodigal son which is really about the father and in the prodigal son when that son turns and comes home on his way home the scripture says when he was far off so the first thing that tells me is that the father had been looking for him because the father would not have been able to see him if the father, if that boy was not on that father's mind. And every day when he got up, he was looking out that window, praying that his son would come home. And the scripture says when he was far off, he ran. Right? This is like the patriarch. And if you know anything about Middle Eastern cultures or third world cultures, the patriarch does not run. The patriarch will not uh, undignify himself to run, right? Because he's got servants and everybody else around. He's a patriarch, right? The patriarch sits on the porch and he waits for the son to come to him. And he waits to see how much the son's going to grovel. And he's going to see what punishments that he's going to give the son for being such a bad son from wasting his inheritance and then turning his back on the father. But it says, while he's a long way off, he runs to the son. 
Now, in those times, they wear a tunic. So in order for him to run, he has to lift that tunic up and run. Do you understand how undignified that is? Do you understand how demeaning and low that is? Because this is the patriarch. He doesn't run for anybody. He doesn't stress himself for anybody. Right? But the picture is our God. Our God. Our God. Our God. The son hadn't said anything. Didn't say, sorry, Dad. Didn't say, you know, he says that later. But the father didn't know that until he got to the son. So it wasn't that the son started saying, oh, you know, Father, I'm sorry. The father didn't even wait for that. The father just saw that he was coming back. But he said that the son wasted all the money, but the father returned the inheritance to him because he gave him the robe, which was identity, the ring, which was authority, and the sandals, which was liberty. And I thought that was a really cool aspect because oftentimes we, we, we look at everything that we Restore the critical elements of who we are as individuals when we come back. You know, uh, I I always and you guys hitting on the mind aspect of it because what happens, I mean, and pride and all that, but our mindset and our thoughts will keep us there. And one of the things that I take out of that prodigal son uh, uh, story. Uh, son's story was that he didn't let those thoughts of I've done so bad my pop's mad at me none of that keep him from striding back because a lot of times especially going through things and growing up and, and, and going through things in our marriage and our relationships it starts thinking thinking that will stop us from getting into that relationship with God from thinking that we have done something so bad so it, it, it's that first step about capturing those thoughts you know and those reasonings because we can talk ourselves out of I can talk myself out of coming to you and saying Joe I'm going through this Joe tired of hearing that Joe tired you know what I'm saying but that's not you know if I allow those thoughts to stay there I won't come and that's one of the things that, as far as the prodigal son, is, is so powerful because you have a lot of family members and, and kids and people that, you know, they just, oh, I ain't there yet. I mean, that that's one of the things, growing up in the church, there was a time where I thought, you know, I couldn't go to God mad. You know what I'm saying? I had to go on my knees. Right. Speaking yeah, real low, I had, I had to go a certain way. But when I learned to, that God is open no matter what state I am. That's right. It's a, it's about me, right. not allowing my thoughts to keep me from going to Him in that state. Thank you, Johnny, for bringing that up. Yeah. Because the thing about those thoughts that may surprise us is that we are actually demonstrating unbelief. When we give in to those thoughts, when we give in, we all have those thoughts. I'm not saying we don't. They come at us, just like you can't stop a fly from flying through here if we open the window. But 
if we decide to give them space, let them park, you know, operate a coffee, you know, some creamer, and we build on it, we are practicing unbelief. And this is what the Bible says about it. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Because an evil, evil heart of unbelief begins you departing from the living God. That's why he wants us to encourage, exhort one another daily. That's why we need each other. Because it's too easy. Stuff happens in this world. Jesus came to redeem his creation. But the world is still messed up. And we're still struggling with being in the kingdom with Jesus and also kind of having to live through this world. So those things are going to come. But we need each other. We, we wouldn't be doing this teaching if it hadn't probably been for what the Lord gave to David, David and Anne, right? Building yeah, upon came out of that. Mm -hmm. each other to help each other grow into who it is we're called to be. We're, we're no better, we're no stronger, no tougher than any one of you. We're, we're just in Christ together, trying to make it, take it step by step. The Bible says that he who believes in God and that God is a rewarder of those who believe in him. We have to believe that he exists. Well, we all do, but so does the devil. Right. The devil believes that God exists. But do we believe that God really is a rewarder of those who diligently seek after him? And he's not talking about you got to be here every day. The door of the church is open. You got to be here at every meeting. You got to come a certain way. You got to say a certain words. Right. You, you got to only read you King James. This, this thing, that thing. <laughs> Even though I read you guys from King James. But, but that's not God. When he talks about diligently seeking, he's talking about relationship from the heart. You want me in. Am I in or am I on the out? Am I that kid who, when you're playing a game with your other friends, you put me out of the, the team because you don't like how I play or because I have trouble catching? Is that who God is? Is he off the team? Or is he always on the team? Are you always able to, like Johnny said, able to just be... Like, God, I'm mad right now. I'm like, I want to take that guy's head off. He just cut me out. He almost killed my family, you know, on the highway or whatever. He's safe. So, He's safe. the reason that we are even where we are is because we have to know. We have to, as John said, we have to deal with those negative thoughts. We have to deal with those things that we have learned in the church and outside of the church of who God is and Him being saved. We have to know that. We have to know that not here. We have to know that here. Right? Because again, on your worst day, Right? On your worst day, if you don't know that here, you revert to all the junk that was put into you up here. We gotta know that here. Okay. So as we move on in the coming weeks, we're gonna start dealing with authentic relationship with God. We can't have authentic relationship with God if we don't feel God is safe. Because I don't know about you. I can have some really, really horrible thoughts 
and from time to time, I really do. And I got to know that those thoughts are not that horrible, that I can't go to God and say, you know what, God, I need some help in this area. I need your spirit in this area. Because my desire, and this is a thing I've talked about, your desire, what God's looking for you, God's not looking for you to be able to tell me every book in that Bible. God's not looking for you to do the five fingers of whatever that we teach in church. What God is looking from you is do you have a desire in your heart to do the things of God? That's what he's looking for. You don't have to bring anything but your desire, your passion. Because the scripture says, he who began a good work in you shall complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. I just got to bring myself. I just got to be willing to be obedient. I just got to be willing to be humble. I just got to be willing to bring all that I am because that's my biggest desire. And I guarantee you, because his word is true, he will finish the work that he started. He said it. It's either got to be true or it's not. If it's not true, take your Bible out to the back of the church and burn it. Because you either can live by that word and die by that word, or you can't. If you can't, burn it. But if you can, live by it. There's no great way. So I'm going to finish up with something um, here. And I normally don't do this, but this teaching, after Anna Day did the teaching on um, living naked, um, there's, there's, there's like almost like a, 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 a burden. And this morning in prayer, I felt like the Lord gave me something that I thought was for me only, but I realized later on it's for me and for you. There's a storm on the horizon. There's a storm on the horizon. And I don't know if you can feel it or not, but there's a storm on the horizon. Because I don't believe there's no coincidences in the things of God. There's no coincidence where we are right now. There's no coincidence on where you are, where you are. There's no coincidence that we're teaching what we're teaching. So when ships go out to sea, they have instruments on board that tell them when a storm is approaching. If the warning comes soon enough, the ships will try to get to land where there's a safe harbor to dock. And then they tie the ships securely to the dock and they batten down the hatches. I'm going to read this to you out of 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 4. 
But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, <coughs> brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now I'm going to go down to 12. And this says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and been convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it. Do you feel the storm on the horizon? I just read that to you. Do you feel the storm on the horizon? When I was a kid growing up, the things that I see and hear of today, if you would have told me when I was a kid, I would have told you, you were lying or you were watching some kind of science fiction horror movie. But they are real and they're happening today, now. And they're happening to people you know. And some of it is happening to you. If you live in this world, it's happening to you. God is our safe harbor. God is our safe harbor. This isn't a time to be naive or unaware. Because if you're not careful, you'll be one of those ships in the middle of the sea that the storm hits and you didn't make it to safe harbor. So what I'm telling you is, as close as you think you are to God right now, you best be trying to get closer. As close as you think you are right now, you best be trying to get closer. And when I talk about sold out, I'm not talking about being in church seven days a week. I'm not talking about hanging, being in every ministry. What I'm talking about is that your heart, your desire, your will, you got to be tied up to that safe arbor. You got to be anchored. Because I'm going to read you another scripture. And this one is 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians, first chapter, verses three. Before I read this, you know, Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. 
I don't think he was talking about outside the church. I'm thinking he was talking about inside the church. Many of his own people inside the church, their love will go cruel. What does Jesus say in Revelation? Go back to your first love. Right? Because, see, a lot of us have a lot of stuff invested in the world. Right? We got a lot of things kind of invested in the world. But I have news for you. I'm not here to be like a Debbie Downer. But the world is crumbling around you. So whatever things you thought you had invested in the world, that's why God says, do not love the world or anything in it. And he wasn't talking about people. Because that's the thing in the world he wants you to love. But all that other stuff, you know, because that's where the love grows cold, right? We thought certain things you were going to find in the world, and we didn't. A lot of us have a lot of things attached to the church. But this is not about investing in the church. Because the real church is you and others. You know? So it's not about going and doing more, being more present physically in the church. It's about your <coughs> In terms of safety, we have to know that God is a safe harbor that we can completely trust to hold us in every and any storm. You gotta know that. You got you gotta know it. You gotta know it. You gotta know that you know that you know it. Okay, because the time is gonna come and is already here that if you don't, right? It's not going to be good. Second Corinthians 1. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. <coughs> he comforts you in all you guys know that saying about all. All means all, and that's all that means? All. What trouble do you have that God will not comfort you? He just says right here, he will comfort you in all. So I got to know whatever I'm going through, whatever pain, whatever hurt, whatever discomfort, whatever is going on, he said he's a God of all comfort, and he will comfort me. But, but guess what? It's not just for me, right? It says so that I can comfort others with the same comfort. We are learning how to create safe relationships, not just for us. <clears throat> because the reason I'm saying that is you're in a world that knows absolutely nothing of what a safe relationship even looks like. The only safety Many of the people in your own sphere of influence will know is you. Is you. And so we have to be prepared because as the world starts crumbling around them, guess what? Now, not everyone's going to look for safety, but 
but some are. And when they do, you're going to be there. That's what God wants you to know today. This is way bigger than Joe, Leona, Ron, Gene, and Dave, Calvary Temple. It's way bigger than that. You've been put where you are, where you are, for a purpose. We're not there just to earn a paycheck. We're not there just because we're nice guys on the neighborhood. We're there for a bigger purpose than that. And when the storm starts hitting and those people can't find safe harbor anywhere, you are going to be the safe harbor. And you're going to lead them to the author of the safe harbor. We live life intentionally. We live life with purpose. I think we all need to remember the Father knows our heart. The question is, do we know the Father's heart? And over the next, and that's really what we're trying to learn right here. What is the Father's heart? What is the Father's heart? I would add to that that we don't know our hearts. We don't know our our earthly hearts, and we don't know what sort of love he's put in our hearts. And so he wants us to be aware of both. Because you can't bring something to him in relationship that we are not getting connected to. So it's, it's in that willingness to be fully human. Jesus was fully human and he was completely attractive. But he was fully God also. And he lives inside of you. If you know him, he lives inside of you. So he's not ashamed of your humanity. Or of the humanity that we experience in others. Even when it's not at its best or polished or presentable. He's not ashamed of it. He knows it. Some of some of your best memories are, are not necessarily uh, Kodak moments, if I could borrow an old expression, or you know, what used to be a camera. Now we don't even know what Kodak is. <coughs> Depends on your age. Depends on your age, right. <laughs> Some of us know what Kodak is. Some of us is. think of a camera and uh, we look at a phone. So, uh, you know, some of our favorite memories is when our child was delivered. That's not pretty. Nothing, even if you have a C-section, ain't nothing pretty about that. But that's like one of the I highest highs. You have no memory of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, no, he wasn't was there. Not C-section. <laughs> um, some of our favorite moments, some of our most precious moments are times when we have either held our child sobbing uncontrollably, or we ourselves have gone to a friend sobbing uncontrollably because there was just that exchange of intimacy. <coughs> So, so we're not talking about being, you know, all dressed up and ready to go someplace, but just being authentic. You are talking about the safe harbor. I think the only thing that separates faith from fear is focus. Who are you focusing on? 
Yeah, but it's hard. It's hard though, you know, depending on. We can't do it really. Yeah, <laughs> and all the junk that we have in us, right? Got the Lord's got to deal with that, the way. And like when you were saying the scripture about, you know, go through things to comfort other people. I remember when I was going through some really challenging years ago on a job, and there was this really older lady. She would come to work every day smiling and just always in a pleasant mood. And I knew she had a relationship with the Lord. And and one day she knew I was going through something. She said, "Let's go to lunch." And she took me to lunch. And then she shared with me what she was going through in her marriage that was way worse than mine. But what I took away from that is it wasn't so much her situation worse than mine. It was the way she was responding to the situation. And her walk demonstrated that I'm trusting God with this, though. You know, I have given this to God, and I trust him, you know, with it. And, and I'll never forget that. And it just reminds me sometimes when I'm going through things, I have to walk in respond like I'm trusting God <laughs> and not walk around like I don't have any hope mm -hmm. you know I have to walk like I have hope in the Lord mm -hmm. so when I share my story you know they can say oh wow I want that joy that you have in the midst mm -hmm. of your storm mm -hmm. the storm that's coming yeah. and the only way you can really walk in the truth of that joy and not put on like you're walking mm -hmm. and pretending hey you know how right. are you I'm saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm right. saved, yeah. sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I got it all. Mm -hmm. No, it's not acting. Right. It's when you have gone before God and mm -hmm. laid on the floor mm -hmm. and said, God, this is ugly. This is nasty. This is what's going on in my house, in my heart, and whatever, in my relationship with my kids. This is just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then you stay when you're done talking long enough to receive his comfort. He wants to comfort you, and he is present. He hears. There's no brass ceiling over you. There is none. That that went away with Jesus on the cross. But what are you believing? Do you believe there's an open heaven over you and in your relationship with the Lord? Do you believe that he loves you enough to bring you comfort? And you hold on to that comfort, and then you can tell people, you know, you can go into a place, even though you're going through stuff, with joy. And you can sit there, and you can go, you know what, God, I'm just going to keep trusting you. Despite the attacks that are coming on my mind, and you have a trusted, safe person who can agree with you in faith so that you won't fall into unbelief, because that's how our hearts begin to be hardened. The... the, the the times that God moves the greatest, that has moved the greatest in my life was when I was in the most difficult places. I can remember a time that I was so down that I literally wanted to lay down and die. I mean, I remember telling God, I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm just, I can't make it through another day. Not another hour, not another moment. But I had enough strength to say that, you know what, God? It's not about me. This is about you. So my thing is, if you want me to see tomorrow, you're going to have to carry me to tomorrow. And he carried me to tomorrow. And that day, it was God, you're going to have to carry me through this day. And we literally walked day by day by day by day by day until he walked me through that. But sometimes, <laughs> it's an hour by hour walk. 
right? Who's ever been? It's an hour by hour walk. Right? And this precious Lord, hold my hand. But precious Lord, you're going to have to bring me through this because on my own, we're not making it. We're checking out. The next day, they're going to say, Joe, you know what? That, he was an okay guy because he's not here anymore. And I'm going to be real with you. And we got to be real. And that's the kind of God that we got. I can go to him and say, God, not one more hour, not one more minute. And he's faithful. And if you believe he's faithful, and if you believe that he's going to carry you through, that's what he's going to do. And you're going to have a testimony. Not just the moments. Right. You're going to have a testimony. Because guess what? God wastes nothing. God wastes nothing. And there's going to be a time that somebody's going to come alongside and go, I can't make it through another day, not another moment. And you're going to say, let me tell you what God did for me, and he's going to do that for you. And you are going to be the one, along with the Holy Spirit, that's going to walk with that person hour by hour, moment by moment. Because that's what you created to do. That reminds me of the poem Footprints. Anybody knows that poem? There's two sets of footprints, all of a sudden there's just one. Mm -hmm. Where'd the other one go? That's when Jesus picks you up in his arms and carries you. And that's, it's got to be life or death. I mean, it's got to, we got to be there, right? You can't, no more, you know, we can't sit on the fence. We can't be, we got to be there. Because the times that we live in dictate that that's where we are. (coughs) Father, I thank you for this time. And Lord, I thank you for these people. Father, I thank you for divine appointments. I thank you, Lord, because nothing happens by accident. Nothing happens by circumstance. So, Father, we thank you because, Lord, you have given us what we need, Father, to go on. And, Father, maybe some of us are in that place where we're just walking moment by moment. We're just walking hour by hour. But, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you show yourself strong and you show yourself powerful in this moment. You are, you. there is nothing outside the realm of your power. And so, Father, we give you all glory, all honor, all majesty. Father, we give you everything. And you said that he who has begun a good work shall complete it. Father, if you don't complete the work, the work won't be done. If you don't complete the work, it doesn't happen. If you don't become our all, if you're not our all and our everything, God, we don't make it. We don't see tomorrow. But, Father, you want us to see tomorrow. Father, there's those in the sphere of our influence, God, that, Father, that you want to know this. And so, Father, Lord, help us to walk this out. Help us to walk this out, Lord. Help us to be changed. As Paul says, let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord God, for that engrafted word that is in us and that is able to save us. And we speak to that word to take its full place in our hearts because we do want to be saved. We want to be healed. We want to be delivered. We want wholeness. And more than anything, we want intimacy with you. And we thank you that the word that you've revealed to us, the word of the gospel, is able to help us grow in all those areas and especially intimacy with you. 
So we offer ourselves. We know we're a living sacrifice. We get up on the altar. We can easily crawl back off. But we present ourselves before you. And say, help us to see the shifts that you want us to make in how we relate to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you, brother. We apologize for sorry for going over. over. It's all good.